Now, if you're looking for the preacher in France, he is not there. I'm sitting right here in the back. In the same principle, if you're looking for leadership, you don't always have to look in the front to find it. Because leadership starts at the back. Great leadership never starts out at the stage. It doesn't start out as the CEO of the, as, or as the head of department or as the manager or as the president. Great leadership starts out from the back. Like in business, to be a leader, you start out doing the menial things first, the foundational thing. That's what the Bible says in the book of Zechariah. Do not despise the days of humble beginnings. Today, we are going to be talking about leadership. And in that vein, we're going to be sharing with you some of the principles that we believe will take you to the next level in your journey of being a leader. Because everybody is a leader in some way or another in their lives. Whether they're leading your family, whether they're leading in a business, whether they're leading in a community. You are a leader in whatever capacity that you are in. You are even a leader in your own life. Because sometimes it's very difficult to get yourself to act in the right way. So you need to lead yourself. Touch your neighbor say, lead yourself. Touch your neighbor say, lead yourself. Now, before I go into detail, there's one fundamental thing that I want you, or I encourage you to, to understand probably first in your head and probably in your mind and in your heart. And that one thing is that w when it comes to leadership, it is possible for life to move you faster than what your mind is able to comprehend. So you can get into a situation where life puts you in your place of leadership. But your mentality is not yet ready to function at that level. And that, when that happens, usually then you do not know or you cannot comprehend what God has placed in your heart. And if you can't comprehend it, you're going to abuse it. And if you abuse it, you're going to lose it. One thing about leadership is that all the leaders come from ordinary places and they deal with ordinary issues that we also deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. Like the Bible says, I think if you look at the Bible, I think in the Gospel, what Jesus says that to whom much is given, much is, much is required. So the issue around leadership is about dealing with problems and with conflicts. Let me give you an example. If you look in the corporate world, they pay you higher, the higher you go up the corporate ladder. The manager earns more than the analyst. And the general manager earns more than the manager. And the CEO earns more than everybody else. Now the reason why they pay you more is not because of your ability to, find or to execute the technical issues of your job. They pay you for your ability to deal with problems and conflicts and challenges. That's why they pay you. So in the corporate world, when they pay you more, essentially they are saying to you that we want you to deal with bigger problems and bigger challenges and bigger conflicts in this organization. And this applies to lead. That's what leadership, that's what leadership is all about. So as you, as you continue to rise in the journey on leadership, you must, ex, you must expect at least more conflicts, more problems, more everything, more opportunities, more trouble, more challenges, because that's what leadership is all about. Yes, that's, that's what leadership is all about. Somebody say more of everything. Somebody say more of everything. So when you say at the level that you are at right now, when you say in your heart, so when you say at the level that you are at right now, and you say in your heart, I can't take this, I can't function, I can't, this thing is getting on my nerves, 
essentially you're saying that you don't want to progress to the next level. Because the next level essentially means the next new problems. And if you can't deal with problems at this level, there is no way we can promote you to deal with problems at a higher level. In fact, the problems that you have or the challenges that you have at this level are essentially training you and preparing you for the challenges that you face at the other level. So that instead of you saying that you can't do it or you can't take it, you must be thanking God for your challenges that you are facing at this level. Because if you can conquer challenges at this level, and you can conquer all the problems at this level, and you can conquer all the conflicts at this level, then God will promote you to the next level. Somebody say, take the next step. Somebody say, take the next step. Somebody say, take the next step. Because the good thing about God is, once you have dealt with problems at this level, He will open new doors and new opportunities for you. I mean, if you go to, the, to an airport, I remember like at Oratambo and you are walking, as you get closer to the door, the door just goes like... That's what, about, that's what God does in your life. If you can handle a certain or if you can execute or uh, uh, handle challenges and problems at a particular level, once you have mastered it at that level, and then shh, God will open up new doors for you to move to the other level. Yes, Do I have people in this church this morning? Yes. Now, one thing about conflicts, like remember I told you, leadership is all about managing conflicts. Managing controversy, managing problems, and managing all the challenges. Now, one thing about conflict is that not all conflicts are external conflicts. Actually, half of the conflicts are internal conflicts. Because it is possible, like I said, for life to move you faster than what your mind is, can comprehend. Things can start going well in your life. In every sphere of your life, you got the right job, you got the right desk, you got the right office, but, but the perception of yourself, if it hasn't changed, you're going to face problems. Yes, Dealing with internal conflicts. And this morning, we're going to share with you that will prepare you for your next move. Yes, Things will prepare you for the next move that God wants to, wants to, take, to take, take you to. But before we go into detail, I think there's one fundamental thing that I need to highlight is that within the kingdom of God, progress or your next step is a step-by-step process. It's not an elevator process. God wants you to take the next steps. And then when you get to that level, you begin to start trying to find balance and start to learn how to deal with issues and problems at that particular level. Once you have mastered it, then God will open new opportunities for you to move to the next level. And then when you get to the next level, you kind of like have to balance there, because at this level, the problems are different than at that level. And then when you get to this level, once you balance, once you, once you can comprehend, once you can deal with all the issues at this level, and then He takes you to the other level. We've got a problem in the church and also in the world where people want to take an elevator from one level to the next level. And those of you who have been in this church for at least more than three years understand what I'm saying. We had people that came to the church after two months they were pastors. After two weeks they they wanted to be archbishops. After that then they want to run their own ministry. In the space of six weeks someone wants to come from being a pastor to being an archbishop and then run their own ministry. That's an elevator approach. But then the problem with the elevator approach is that when you get to that level and the problems at that level, you haven't mastered them, you're going to crash. And everybody who has been here for more than two years can say, hey, you may do that. Touch your neighbor and say, let's move to the next level. Let's move to the next level. There is another step waiting for you. 
There's another dimension of life waiting for you. There's another dimension of problems waiting for you. There is another dimension of challenges, another dimension of issues that you have to deal with, another dimension of opportunities. I know you want the third check. I know you want the promotion. I know you want the recognition. But you must learn to deal with the challenges and with the issues that come with that particular level. And when we have mastered those things, and we have mastered everything that is good in life, that, that, that position can give you, and we have mastered all the challenges that you have at that position, and then let me tell you, no eye has seen, no ear has seen what God has prepared for you, so that you progress to the next level. That's what leadership is all about. It's a process. It's a, it's a process. It's a process. So whatever level you are, don't complain. Stop complaining. Whatever level you are, stop murmuring. Otherwise, if you, if you complain that God cannot promote you. I mean, if you look at the children of Israel, when they were in the desert, they started complaining. And because they started complaining, the Bible says that they wandered around the desert for 40 years. Because God cannot promote you if you can't master the problems at this level. If you can't master the problems in the desert, there is no way you can master the problems when you get to the walls of Jericho. Yes, because that's a different level. So you cannot master the, the problems at this level. And then God will then take you to the next level. Somebody say leadership. There is a next step waiting for you. You gotta take that next step. You gotta take that next step. You gotta take that next step. Don't be afraid. Don't give in. Don't do anything that will jeopardize you from taking that next step. So, I, for most of you that are married, remember that before you get married, you go and do counseling. What essentially they, are, they do there is that they are things about marriage that you must understand before you get married. And in the same vein, today, I'm going to talk to you about leadership. And there are things about leadership that you must understand before you take the next steps. Because leadership is all about progress. It's all about progress. One guy, I think he was the sixth president of the U.S., he says that if your actions inspire other people to do more, to think more, and to become more, and then you become, you are a leader already. You don't need a title, you don't need an office, but if your actions just inspires other people to learn more, to do more, to commit more, then you are a leader already. Sorry, there's a problem with my mic. We are always praying for increase. Every time we come to church, people come here. Let's pray for increase. Lord, enlarge my territory. Lord, enlarge my territory. Lord, enlarge my territory. But before you reach out and take that increase, there are things that you need to know. There are things that you need to master at this level. That's why even when you teach about giving and offering, and Pastor Tafa says tithing is like your minimum, which means that you must master tithing at that level before you start quoting Psalms 2 to say that, Lord, please give me the the <laughs> the whole earth for my inheritance but he can't in give you the earth for inheritance if you haven't mastered the basic things so let's do what we do we're in church so we need to quote some scripture can you give me Luke <laughs> chapter number 5 from verse 1 to 11 Luke chapter number 5 from verse 1 to 11 is anybody finding any value in this Luke chapter number 5 from verse 1 to 11. I'll read. And this, uh, so this sermon, the way is that we have got three sections to this sermon. I'm going to first talk about internal conflicts, and then I'm going to talk about external conflicts, and then I'm going, to choosing, I'm going to talk about choosing the right team. As a leader, when you want to go far, you need the right team. Internal conflicts, external conflicts, and choosing the right team. So we start with internal conflicts. Luke chapter number 5 from verse 1 to 11. So it was as the multitude pressed upon him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lack of that thing. 
and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Somebody say washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and he told the multitude. Now, one thing you must understand here is that Simon Peter was not yet the disciple of Jesus. He was a businessman. And he owned a company called Simon Peter Fishing Company. <laughs> and scripture says that the fishermen were washing their nets, which means that the fishermen had given up for that day, for the business, saying, you know what, we have toiled day and night, we have caught nothing. And they were washing their nets, which is a sign of giving up on a particular thing. Right? Am I speaking to someone? Yeah. Now, and then Jesus says that, can I use your boat? And then he said, and then, can, you, can you take me to verse number four? When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, now Jesus is saying that because you have let me use what you have, I am going to give you more of what you have. All right? You have let me use what I am going to give you more of what you have. Then Jesus says that, launch out into the deep and lay down your nest for a catch. It takes great faith for Simon who was washing his nets it's a sign of surrender to go back and throw out his nets. It takes great faith. It takes great faith for you who has reached the rock bottom or who have tried everything in your life for someone to say, try again. So when God says, try, this is what God is saying, try again. And this is right at the bottom of, of, of Simon Peter's day. Uh, but Simon answered and said to you, Master, we have toiled all day and caught nothing. Now you're telling Jesus, you know what? You are a carpenter. I am the one in the fishing business. So I am the expert here, right? I have toiled all night. I caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Verse 6. And when they had done this, they caught a great... They caught a... And their net was... Can you believe that God can catapult you from washing your nets into catching a great number of fish. From a place of surrender into walking into your mansion. How great was this fish? Verse 7. So the signal to their part. See, when God blesses you, you got to take someone with you. Because the blessing was just too much for them to enjoy on their own. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they will came, they filled someone preached, they filled so that even now two boats began to sink. Verse 7. Where am I now? Verse 8. So this is exactly where I want to zoom in for this particular message. Verse 8 says, Now when Simon Peter so it he fell down at Jesus' knees and says, Depart from me, from I am a sinful man, O Lord. Now, this is a weird way of reacting after we have been blessed. <laughs> this is a weird way of reacting after we have been blessed. The issue here was that Simon Peter. So the blessing or you saw the power of the blessing of God and then because of internal conflicts, what he saw was also the power or the ability of God to destroy him. He saw the ability of God to destroy him. Life can lead you to a place where you are in a position of leadership, but if your mind is not prepared to handle it at that level, you will crash. So he saw the ability of God to destroy it. That's why then he says, his reaction was, get away from me, oh Lord. Because <laughs> life has offered him a blessing, but because he perceived himself as being in the back, he wasn't ready to receive the blessing 
at this stage. Because what he knew Simon Peter was that Jesus was essentially saying to him, I want you to become comfortable with the challenges at this level. Because in the next verse he says to him, I want you to become a fisher of men, which means I want you to take a leadership at a new level. You were fishing for fish, but right now the, the challenges for fishing, for, for, for fishing like this is that you have to tell you all day and long trying to catch some fish in the ocean. But then Jesus wants to take you to the next level of leadership, where the challenges at that level, when you are fishing men, you're going to toil you day and night in prison. Now that's a different level of challenge, which is a different level from this level. But then you need to perceive yourself, or you need to deal with internal conflicts first. Before you can move to the next level. Uh, can I verse, uh, verse 9? For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which, which had taken. Verse 10. And also were James and John, the son of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. You see now. The reason why Simon says, depart from me, is because of fear. It was because of fear. And Jesus says, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Now, there are two dimensions of fear. There are two di- when it comes to leadership, there are two dimensions of fear. Number one is the fear of failure. Which means that you will not do anything because you are afraid that you will fail. You do not give yourself a chance to do anything because you are so paralyzed and you are so imprisoned by the, uh, by the, by the uh, spirit of fear. Right? A fear of failure. It's the same thing that, uh, like for myself, when I was coming here this morning, I'm afraid of failing. I'm afraid of failing. I'm afraid of failing. I'm afraid of failing. It's, a, it's, 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 it's like the Bible says that it's, it's, it's a very bad thing because then it traps you. And because it traps you, it paralyzes you. And you cannot do anything. And it's even worse when you try to do something and it has failed. And you are washing your nets. And this, then Jesus says, cast, cast your nets again into the ocean. But because you are so paralyzed by the, uh, by the uh, fear of failure, you will not do anything. Now the second dimension of fear is the fear of success. Fear of success. You can be so, become so fearful of success because you are afraid that if you succeed, you just can't handle it. You are so afraid, you are so paralyzed. You begin to reject God's opportunities because you are so paralyzed of fear. And the bad thing about this is the bad thing, especially when you reject God's opportunities, is that then you are left clinging for a magic. Wow. You are left hoping for magic. You are left hoping for magic. Because when God takes you from one level of leadership to the next level of leadership, although the next level of leadership brings new challenges, new conflicts, new controversies, it also brings new opportunities with it. Oh, come on. And new opportunities with it brings new forms of success with it. But if you are so paralyzed of fear, you then refuse to take that next step to the next level. And then you stay at this level, but your heart is yearning for the blessings at that level. So you are at this level, but you want blessings at that level. Now that is, that's what you call, you are hoping for magic. That's magic that you are hoping for. Because if you want blessing at that level, you need to progress to that level. And then you need to deal with challenges at that level, and then you then enjoy the opportunities at that level. Is this helping somebody this morning? Now, the interesting thing is what stops us from um, taking lead or just stepping into the position of leadership. Actually, it's not about lack of talent or resources or opportunities. Because there are people that I know 
that have less degrees than I have, but that, that are doing much better than I am doing. There are people that you know that probably have got an undergrad in English and you have got an undergrad in engineering, but they are doing much better than you. So the thing that stops you from taking on a position of leadership is not about lack of talent or lack of resources or lack of opportunities. And the problem then is that if you see someone who has got less resources than you, who has got less talent than you, but he's doing better than you, if you are not careful, you're going to become jealous of that person. Instead of you confronting issues that you have, you become jealous of their success. But then if you are wise, you can use that to question yourself and say, what are the irrational beliefs or internal conflicts that I have that are trapped or that is stopping me from progressing to the next level? And now there are six things that I need to share with you. Or six irrational beliefs that can potentially stop you from moving to the next level. We are getting into a season where I think I believe that God is looking to raise up new leaders. But before you can raise up with new leaders, there are six internal things that you must deal with internally to prepare yourself so that when God is about to unleash new leaders, you are ready for these opportunities. Because the issue about leadership is the issue about progress. It is a shame in life to live long and not progress. It's a shame in life. It's a shame in life to live and not progress. It is a shame in life. For example, I, I, there was this video I was watching probably a year or two years ago. They were talking about wealth and age. And there was a graph that shows that people grow older, but their wealth does not improve. It's a shame. It's a shame to grow older, but your wealth doesn't improve. And I, I, I know that in July, uh, we're going to be having a workshop around how do you manage wealth and how to increase your wealth. It's a shame to grow up and not progress. I mean, Jesus said it like this. He says to Yeshua, He says, You wicked and slothful servant. Because he had given him one talent and the guy had gone away. And the guy came back one year older. And this guy had not progressed. He was still at the same level. And Jesus says, you wicked. Wicked. You evil servant. I am gone for a year. And I come back and you are still at the same level. If there's one thing that probably you should take today is and this one I have to say it's a shame for you to live older and not progress. This is a shame. For God's kingdom is about advancing. It's about advancing. God doesn't want you to stay at the one level. I've been cleaning these toilets for 26 years. At least I want to be the manager of the toilet cleaning team some form of progress in my life. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But coming back, there are six irrational um, beliefs that you need to tackle. These are internal conflicts. Six irrational beliefs that you need to tackle so that you can progress into a position of leadership. Number one, undeserving. Six irrational beliefs. Number one, undeserving. I do not deserve good things. I can't see myself in this position. This normally comes mainly because of what people have said to you when you were younger. And then it shapes and it programs you. And then you start to feel like you don't deserve anything. A solution for this, you must listen to the Born Identity series. Know yourself. Know who you are in Christ. The second irrational belief is ordinary. I don't want to be different. I want to fit in. Because if I go into a position of leadership, 
I'll become a target. Let me tell you, it's true. You will become a target. You will become a target. And people will start shooting at you. But the good thing is that just because people are shooting at you, it doesn't mean that people have shot you. They can throw a thousand arrows at you. It does not mean that they are shooting they are shooting you. But they can shoot at you. But if you if you are so trapped by wanting to be ordinary, by wanting to be ordered, by wanting to fit in, wanting to be ordinary, it will stop you from taking a position of leadership. Number three. Is that where I am? Yeah. Uh, so a social change. This is the fear of rejection, lonely, or being labeled like a seller. Social change. Uh, fear of rejection, being lonely, or being labeled a sellout. And this is actually applicable like if, I, if you're in a minority. See, one thing about minority groups is that they tend to cling together. And they, they, get, they tend to cling together. And then it becomes this us against them. And they become, and they become this type. It's like a survival mode when you're in a minority. And then because of that, then you're afraid of leaving that group because then they're going to label you a sellout. And they're going to reject you from this small thing. And, they, and then, because what they want is they want to keep you with them. They'll tell you it's us against them. It's we against them. Be careful of the we's. Be careful of the we's. We's. They, they, they like you as long as you, as you, as long as you are in part of this minority group. That will trap you from moving up. That will trap you from moving into the next level. Number, which number am I? Number four, I believe in number four. Good things don't last. Good things don't last. It didn't last with John. It didn't last with Trevor. It didn't last with this one. And then you get to a thing that says good things don't last. Everything, new opportunity comes to you. You don't want to take it because you believe that this thing is too good. It will not last. You can't buy the house that you want. You can't take the promotion that you want because you believe that it will not last. You are afraid. That's, this, is, this is a fear of success. You are afraid of the success because you just think that it will not last. Something will happen to that success and it will go away. Irrational belief number five. Perfectionism. Perfectionism. I can't be a leader because I'm not perfect. I can't be promoted because you think that once you're becoming a leader, like I said, you can't, you're going to become a target. And once you become a target, they're going to expose all your imperfections. I can't be a leader. I can't lead the, the worship team. I can't lead the, the, the uh, multimedia team because I'm imperfect. Let me tell you something. Especially ladies. Ladies love their pastors. Ladies <laughs> love their pastors. My mother used to have this nice piece of silver set for the pastor. <laughs> Because to them, the pastor is the ultimate husband. <laughs> is the ultimate husband. He talks and he preaches about being there. He is the. Let me tell you. Can I say, it, Pastor? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Pastors are imperfect. <laughs> Ask Lady Shibu. <laughs> She's outside. That's why I said. Pastors are imperfect. Leaders are imperfect. Is right. Everybody is imperfect. So if you if if the need to maintain this impression is so strong that it won't allow you to need to move to the next level, you're gonna pass the opportunities. Because you think that you are imperfect. You see, 
the, you can actually talk people away from liking you because you think you are imperfect. Perfectionism. If you want to be a leader, you gotta do away with this irrational behavior. Whatever you see, he has some form of imperfection on them. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, so the inability of managing these six um, six irrational beliefs, or these are, these are the part of internal conflicts, will stop you from taking the leadership and taking to the next position that God wants you to do. You have to deal with internal conflict first before you deal with external conflicts. Now, let's move on to external conflicts. I said six things. I gave you how many? You know what? You can ask me after change. <laughs> now, let's move on to external conflicts. Some say external conflicts. Some say external conflicts. There is no way you can become a leader without getting external conflicts. No way. No way. There is no way where you can be the pathfinder and not have to deal with the, with the weeding out and clearing the road. I mean, if you are a follower, it's easy. Because then you are just behind the pathfinder. Right. If he steps to the right, you will step to the right because you are just following. But if you are the pathfinder, there are external conflicts. You will meet new challenges. You will meet new things. You will meet new opportunities. You meet new controversies. And all this is part of being a leader. It's part of being a leader. You gotta deal. With, you gotta deal with these conflicts every single day. And the most important thing is. To be a leader, you must learn to deal with external conflicts without putting emotions into it. You can't be the manager that runs around like a headless chicken. You must be able to deal with external conflicts without putting emotions into it. I mean, if you look at boxing, right? Because once you become emotional, you become irrational. If you look at boxing, what they do is, before the fight, or day before, or whatever time before the fight, the guy's like, I'm going to kill your mother and then I'm going to kill your daughter and then I'm going to kill your grandfather and your grandmother then I'm going to kill your kids. Why? Because they want you to get you, stir you up and then you become emotional. Winning is strategic. You can't be strategic if you are emotional. So as a leader, you must be able to deal with external conflicts without putting emotions into, into it. Without putting emotions into it. You must be able to face all the obstacles. You must be able to fix things. You must be able to... I mean, just look at Jesus. When he, told, when he was told that Lazarus has died, he wasn't panicking. Because he, he knows that I'm a leader. I'm called to fix problems. You can't fix problems when you are the emotional one in the room. Everybody was wailing, but he was like, calm down. Because as a leader, you must be able to... You must be able to fix things without being emotional. Winning is strategic. Now, there are six ways to deal with external conflicts. I don't know now whether I was six or seven. Since this six is stuck in my head. Dealing with external conflicts. Number one, as a leader, you need to have a 360-degree view. 360-degree view. I mean, if you look at Exco, they are always making fun out of me, saying, we need something, but it's Trevor Finance, those guys, they won't release the, 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 the money. Because as the leader, when someone comes to you, they've got a 90 degree view. They know what's best for their division, for their team, and they come and put a request because it's in line with their team and what they want to achieve. But you as the leader, you must have a 360 degree, which means that you must be able to see all the other conflicting or other things that are pulling you in different directions and then be able to prioritize which one makes sense for now. You must have a 360 degree. Number two, I quickly have to write because I think we are running out of time. Number two, this is very important. As a leader, you must be mature enough to know that people can disagree with you without you without you being angry at them. People can disagree with you without you being angry at you. Or people can disagree with you, it doesn't mean that they are betraying you. 
you must be mature enough to know that people can disagree with you without you stop disliking them. It's very important as a leader. Number, where am I now? Number three, as a leader, you must be comfortable with controversy. Jesus said to his disciples, disciples, who do men say I am? And they said, you know what? Jesus, you are controversial. Some call you Elijah. Some call you Jeremiah. Some call you this. I mean, Jesus was so controversial that even his enemies couldn't agree on who he was. (laughs) Now you are good if you are that controversial. Even people that <laughs> player haters, they, they can't agree on who you are. Number four, you must be comfortable with fighting or with challenging people that are close to you. People that are very, very close to you. You must be able to and must be comfortable in challenging them or, or them challenging you. People that are close to you. Right? Um, I mean, if, a, a good example, if you look at Moses, Moses is like when he took the children of Israel out of Egypt, the children of Israel gave him more grief than what Pharaoh did. <laughs> the people that he was leading gave him more grief than what Pharaoh did. So as a leader, you must be able to, to confront and deal firmly with people that are close to, to you. I have to run and skip some other things for the sake of time. Number five. Number five. This is, I think, this is the greatest point of how to deal with external conflict. Someone said this is the greatest point. As a leader, you must develop the weaponry like that of Nehemiah. Give me Nehemiah chapter number five from this, chapter number four, verse fifteen to eighteen. Nehemiah chapter number four from verse fifteen to eighteen. As a leader, you must develop the weaponry of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is a great example of great leadership because if you look at in the Bible, the Bible says that Nehemiah, he was building the wall or was rebuilding the wall after they came back from uh, captivity in Babylon. He was rebuilding the wall, right? And the Bible says that uh, he was rebuilding the wall that will help the people of Jerusalem. But at the same time, he was being fought on every side. Give me Nehemiah. So it says uh, chapter number 4, yeah. And it happened when our enemies heard, someone say our enemies, uh, extend our conflict. Uh, when our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had brought their plot to nothing, that all of us returned to the war and everybody to his work, verse uh, 16. So it was from the time on that half of my servants were at construction while the other half were held spears and shields and bows and war armor and the leaders were behind the house of Judah. Verse uh, 17. Those will, now this is the most important point, those who built on the wall and those who carried beds and loaded them themselves so that with one hand they worked on the wall and with the other hand they held a weapon. Someone said the weapon of Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah, he was building the wall with the one hand and he was holding the sword with the other hand. So as a leader, you must be able to build here whilst you are fighting them. This is what you call a two-headed approach to leadership. I mean, you cannot be consumed with building and forget to fight the enemy who is trying to destroy you. At the same time, you cannot be consumed fighting and stop building. That is why God gave you two hands. That you build with the one whilst you are fighting with the other. You build with one whilst you are fighting with the other. And the more you build, the more you are fighting. And the more you build, and the more you are fighting. The, more, the higher the war goes, the more you are fighting. And you must continue fighting until the enemies that are fighting you will change their minds. And like the book of Job says that, uh, I think it's Job chapter number Job chapter number 3, verse 17, it says that, And the wicked shall cease troubling you, and the weary shall have rest. Leadership is about being two-handed. Are there people with two hands in this house? Are there people with two hands in this house? Are there people with two hands in this house? For remember, the Bible says, to to whom much is given, much is required. You gotta build, but you gotta fight also. You gotta build, and you gotta fight. You gotta build, you gotta fight. You gotta build, and you gotta fight. Um, I think now I'm left with like two minutes, so I'm going to skip to the 
last parts about leadership, which talks of um, Okay, I think I'll just give you two more things. Leadership, you need commitment, which is very important, right? And commitment is a hard issue. You can buy skill, you can buy to be trained, but commitment, you cannot buy it. Commitment is a hard issue. So as a leader, you need to be committed. And then lastly, thing, as a leader, you need character. If you are committed, but don't have character, you become like Hitler. So as a leader, you need commitment, but you need character. Character means, especially character, where character becomes more important is you must be able to define things that you never do for the sake of getting ahead. Yeah. Hey, hey. Things that you never do for the sake of getting ahead. So you need character, you need something that defines your boundaries. And I'm going to skip this and I'm going to go to the last segment about building the right team. As a leader, um, I think the saying that if you want to go fast, go alone, if you want to go far, you must have a team. So ingredients for the right team, number one, there are three things that you need the right team as a leader for you to function effectively. Number one is you need to have confidence. Confidence are people that you trust. People that you trust. People that you can talk to. People to whom you are vulnerable to. Jesus had three confidence. It wasn't about the twelve disciples. He had three. When he's going up to the mountain to a secret place, he takes his confidence. As a leader, you need to have confidence. People that you are that you can trust and people that you can be vulnerable to, people that you can talk to and you can tell them your deep fears, you can tell them all the things that are troubling you and they are there for, they are there for, for you. The reason why, especially when you get, that's the fundamental reason why you will never get tired of your confidence because with people you can put up a show or you can put up a behavior. Now that's tiring, that's why sometimes then you want people to leave because then you want to relax. <laughs> Because it's a show. It's a show. When there are 5,000, it's a show. You are waiting for them to leave. But if you have got your confidence, like if you're married and your wife is a confident, when you go home, you relax. So confidence are good because they know you and they are vulnerable and you are vulnerable to, to them. And the good thing about confidence is that they are there for you as a person and not for the cause. They are there for you as the person not for the cause. If the cause goes away, if you are a pastor and your ministry fails, your wife or whoever will still be there for you. Because confidence are there for you as a person. The second ingredients you need in a team are what are called constituents. Constituents are people that are there for the cause. They are with you as long as you are moving them towards the cause. Because you and them will share a common cause. They are not there for you as the person. They are there for you for the cause. What this means is that, that as long as you are working towards this common cause with them, they will be with you. Now the bad thing is that if someone comes that is going to the same cause and they perceive that they will get there faster, they can jump from you to the next person. Because it's not about you. It's about the cause. It's about the cause. This is where most pastors get it wrong. People come to the church for different reasons. There are those that are confident and those, there are those that are constituents. Now when constituents leave, pastors tend to get angry because they thought the person came for them. But the person didn't come for them, the person came for the cause. If the church was not for this particular cause, the person came for that cause. And if another church starts, that will take them closer to that cause, which is not your church, they will leave you in a heartbeat and join the next team. If you as a leader, now you must, and I'm, not, I'm not preaching this for the people that are leaving, I'm preaching this for the leader, because it's for you not to get angry that they have left. Because they were never coming there for you. So when they leave, you must love them when they come, and you must love them when they leave. You must be able to work with people in life that will come for you for the specific reason that they are going to leave. People will come, take you to the next level, and then they leave. But then when they leave, you can't say, Oh, why? They are believing me. My heart is broken. They are betraying me. They were constituents. They were not confident. So you must know your team. You must know your confidence. You must know your constituents. When they came to attack Jesus, most of them ran away. You must know your confidence and your 
constituents. Constituents are there for the cause. And constituents are there for the person. The last, the last segment of a team. Someone said the last segment of a team. These are comrades. These are comrades. We will fight the struggle. A luta continua. The struggle will fight with you until we achieve victory. Now, one thing about, about comrades is that they are there not because of you. They are there not because of the cause. They are there because you share the same enemy. <laughs> they are there because you share the same enemy. So, as long as you have got a common enemy, they are with you. And they'll fight you. They'll fight beside you. And they'll fight because you are fighting the same thing. These are your comrades. But one thing about the comrades, which you as a leader, you must be very, very careful, is do not, do not become lonely and confide into a comrade. He is not your confidant. Because once you defeat the enemy, whatever you have told him or you have confided in him, they can use that to hurt you, to fight you. But one thing you are assured of a comrade or a short is that they are always fighting. They are always fighting. They are not your confidants. They are not constitutions. They are there for specific because you, because you have got a, a common enemy. These are your comrades. So ladies, especially for the ladies, do not get angry when she leaves you. That friend of yours. I cannot believe she betrayed me. I cannot believe she betrayed me. She was never your friend or your confidant from the very beginning. And then you were confiding things in her that you were not supposed to. So as a leader, in, in conclusion, three things. Number one, you must learn to deal with internal conflicts. We talk about six, and, six or five, whichever number I gave you. You can ask me for the sixth one after I say this, if you buy me a cake. <laughs> The second thing, you must be able to deal with external conflicts. And then the third thing, you must know your team. And with that, I'm about to close because it's communion Sunday. Amen.